This is Kanzen Shu, the podcast, episode 369 for the week of September 14th, 2014. What up, hey us? Welcome to Kanzen Shu. The podcast. An extension question of the all-encompassing Dragon Ball fan site. Konzenshu? Right? We cover anything and everything Dragon Ball in hopes of enlightening in a little bit. Oh, the entertaining back in your ears this week for 369. My name is Mike Vegito EX. Joining me again across ye internets, Julian hailing from the land of rising suns. Yes. How you doing? Just one, though. Just one. I'm pretty good. That's good. Uh, well, you know, uh, things are going. Uh, semester started up again, so there are kids in the school, and my daughter's back in kindergarten and bringing all sorts of lovely infections home to give to the family. <laughs> awesome. So my son has a little bit of a fever right now. And I have gone down the rabbit hole of collecting really old magazines with Toriyama quotes and interviews. <laughs> and by really old magazines, we mean Playboy issues. Um, well, a few, but they were surprisingly thorough in certain times. There's an article from 1981 about uh, this strange wunderkind who had suddenly gotten rich and yeah. burst onto the scene. And there's uh, other stuff from the very end of the series, actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they interviewed Toriyama right around uh, just after chapter 500 came out and then they even had a bit of a tribute when the series finally ended in an issue that came out the same day as uh, the last chapter. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, I didn't actually look at the dates on them. It's just like, whoa, these, one of these is really you were just looking at the You were just looking at the pictures, right, Mike? <laughs> the pictures, they're so tame, too. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is there, a, we're, t- we're talking about nudity on the podcast right now. It, it is Toriyama inspired. These are weekly Playboy. Is there a different, like, standard Playboy in Japan? Um, I, I'm not that well uh, versed on this subject but i think there was a monthly version that was basically the the japanese translation of the american okay because these are basically advertisements and really long form articles and about six pages of maybe sort of topless photos (laughs) it's japan in the 1980s and 90s well i'm glad we got that out of the way we can move on to more important conversations julian we got a couple things we're going to cover this week it's been a couple episodes that we have i guess we'd say a couple weeks We've gone without episodes, so we got some cool news to catch up on. Uh, yes. I want to hear about your exploits to a science exhibit, so we'll talk about that. And then uh, we have a topic that I've been rearing to do for a while, and it turned into a bigger topic, and then turned into, well, we found other stuff, and I guess we got to translate all that, and by that I mean Julian, translate all this for me. Oh, dear. <laughs> that is Super Dragon Ball Z. We're going to talk about Frieza, and what may have been done with him, or possibly not, and uh, maybe hit up a couple uh, producer comments. There's so many cool things out there. Now, back in August, it was August 2nd, our buddy Chris Kerberfer, he does a little blog that uh, is done as audio, so he calls it Kerblog. We talked about Super DBZ. Uh, I think I plugged it back then. I'm going to play that at the end of this episode as a little bit of extra stuff, because I already have it, and it's already edited, and it's already ready to go, so I might as well, well plug it go. in here. So that'll be a bonus after the ending credits sequence of this here episode. We'll talk uh, about stuff before all that that is my plan for this episode julian please tell me about dragon ball meets science i, I think we talked about it as we uh saw it being promoted and we're like oh what's going on with yes. goku in this science scrub outfit what's going on and where was it and how was it so 
to begin with, this is the Dragon Ball Meets Science exhibit, which was held in the city of Nagoya in Aichi Prefecture, a stone's throw away from Toriyama's hometown of Kiyosu. Now, this was done actually sort of in conjunction with Toriyama himself, saying that he wanted kids to get more in touch with science, and then this was a way to do it according to the quote that was in the exhibit. But anyway, it was held over the summer vacation period from school. I took advantage of the vacation period and got myself out there to take a look. I got into Nagoya around 10 in the morning and very quickly found that Nagoya Station Complex is big and confusing, but somehow I managed to find my way to the subway station and go the couple of stops I needed to get to the Nagoya Municipal Science Museum and planetarium. And by the time I got there, there was a really long line already forming with lots and lots of kids. And I thought, oh yeah, it's summer vacation. That's right. This is an exhibit for kids. I will be the scary gaijin here by himself. Although surprisingly, I did see a few adults there by themselves and they did seem to be fans. Oh, good. After managing to get to the front of the area and grabbing some tickets and some free flyers that they just had lying there, I think I gave them to you. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> um, I um, made my way down towards the basement level, which is where they were having the exhibit, and go down one flight of stairs, turn the corner, and there's a long line going down another flight of stairs. So <laughs> It was getting line to wait in line. Yeah, basically. So I spent about half an hour in that line, and finally I got into the entrance area. And going in, there's a little hallway featuring various aspects of uh, Dragon Ball, sort of recounting different parts of the series. So anyway, uh, I got out to the front and I discovered that, uh, well, I should back up here and explain. There's different exhibits inside the exhibit. Uh, It's basically sort of combining a Dragon Ball themed thing with explaining a concept from science. So for example, where you have, uh, there's a Kintoun thing where it judges whether you're fit to ride Kintoun based on your brain waves. And it's talking about brain waves and control of things using your mind. And there's another thing where in conjunction with a, a Karin Tower exhibit, there's talking about space elevators. And also they were talking about with the Kintoun thing, um, the ability of humans to fly, like using special suits and then things. So they had these things from Dragon Ball and they're just kind of like, never mind this, let's talk about this science thing. This is related yes. to flying. This is related to to climbing. Yes, but of course the Dragon Ball things were kind of the centerpiece. Gotcha. So in a way, I felt like the actual science concepts got kind of shunted off to the side. Oh, Never, right. Nevertheless, it's, you know, an interesting diversion. Sure, But sure. anyway, uh, I got up to the front and to the um, lobby or reception area of the Capsule Corporation Leading Edge Laboratory or something like that, which is this, the whole area is themed like it's part of Capsule Corporation. So you get up to the front desk and they give you a card to scratch off. And the first time I scratched too hard and all the numbers came off underneath. So I had to scratch again. And this time they pointed me to the numbers at the end. And it turns out to do the Kintoun and the Kamehameha things, you have to have numbers at the end of your card that match the numbers on the sign for the day. And mine didn't match. Oh. So I didn't get to go do those two things, but I did get to do some of the other ones. I also watched people do the other. So you go to this overall exhibit and you're not even guaranteed to do certain things. Uh, Yeah. Well, huh. my impression was that maybe they weren't expecting so many people, which gotcha. is kind of strange because it's Dragon Ball. 
And hadn't this been going on for a little bit? Uh, yeah, it was a couple of weeks in by the time I went because it had been going on basically all summer. But this was also vacation time, so. Yeah. Yeah, all right. So I got in and a lot of people, a lot of little kids, but you get in line for one thing and then you wait your turn to do it. So it, if you do everything, it takes quite a bit of time. But so I, I watched the uh, Kim Do-un thing and all the kids being told to sort of relax and clear your mind until... It yeah. registers, okay, you can ride. Then you get to go walk around some other things. There's the Kamehameha thing is a motion control. So you have to do the motions and time it out correctly. Uh, you're put up against a red ribbon mech. And if you do it correctly, then you blow it away. If you do it okay, then you deal some damage. And if you fail, then it just does a happy dance. But the voiceover is done by Masako Nozawa, who congratulates you if you do it correctly. I should also mention that throughout the exhibit, they have Mr. Popo being the little character telling you what things you are not to do, and in sort of broken Japanese. So one of the next exhibits was you get to throw out all these uh, hoi poi capsules, which means just basically throwing these things at a screen, which uh, reads the movements and puts things out on the screen. I think the objective, if there was one, was to try and get as many out there as possible, but to be honest, I'm not really sure. You get to do this uh, climb Karin Tower thing, which is basically uh, uh, an optical illusion because of the way they have the thing set up, but it looks like I'm really, really high up and looking down. There's another part that deals with uh, the way that you can hear sound. So in if you stand in a certain area, you can hear something really well, even though it's being projected from across the room, and that's the voice of Kaiosama from across the, the cosmos, basically. But it's promoting a real scientific concept. And the final room is talking about things like robotics, and you have, um, what is it, like a stasis capsule with number 18 inside, and you get your picture taken in front of it. So there's a lot of photo op type things in here, mm -hmm. which is fun. But actually, <laughs> I don't know, one of the interesting things was all the themed merchandise from this event with the key art of Bulma in a lab coat and Goku holding chemicals in a thing and both Vegeta and Gohan doing sciencey things. It's really everywhere. There's a lot of really cool designs for bags and for t-shirts. There's a Dragon Ball meets science thing with a pseudo Star Wars logo and um, things branded with the leading edge laboratory of science and technology. So Julian, I guess give me this overall review of the event. Was it more Dragon Ball? Was it more science? Was it neither? Would you recommend? I would say it was about half Dragon Ball and half science. I felt like it was given more base for the Dragon Ball stuff, if only because the sort of sound and light effects and stuff required the space. But I did feel like at times the scientific concepts were sort of shoehorned in and shunted off to the side when they could have been better incorporated into it. But of course, that's not Toriyama's fault. That's something that the museum staff themselves could have worked on better. But at the same time, I'm sure they were expecting that kids would be mostly there for the Dragon Ball and not so much for the science. Now, I didn't learn about this until later when um, Picking Duck talked about his experience, but apparently if you went up to a different area of the museum, they had a let's make Majin Buu thing where you're actually sort of making a, a gelatin out of uh, different liquids by mixing them together and doing a chemical reaction. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. 
I would have liked to do that, actually. After that, I came back out and walked around the museum gift shop, which had more traditional sort of science museum type stuff. And it was fun. I would have appreciated maybe less people overall so that I could sort of walk through more leisurely and go back because going back isn't much of an option when you've got so many people behind you. Mm -hmm. And of course, not being familiar with this, some of the scientific terms in Japanese, <laughs> it takes more time to read the stuff gotcha, than yeah, yeah. maybe some of the other people who would be around there. That said, I thought the Dragon Ball-themed parts were quite um, interesting and innovative and very attention-grabbing. And the artwork that was done specially for the event was really good, and I thought they could have used that theming in a variety of contexts. I kind of wonder what they're going to do with all the merchandise after the event ends, because, um, well, they don't have another leading-edge laboratory of science and technology. Mm. Maybe it'll end up in a jump shop or something? I don't yeah, know. yeah, that makes sense. Or they'll just hold on to it for another 10 years to an anniversary event. <laughs> But yeah, it was fun. And um, I mean, if you were in Japan during the time, I think it went until August 31st, and I would have recommended that you go. You know, all the, all the Kanzenshu people in Japan. Yes. All what? Th three of them, maybe. Yeah. It was Peking Duck who went, and K who maybe didn't go, but I'm not sure. Well, Greg's over there. I don't know if he went. Mm, Probably not. A good point. He, he mostly goes to Tokyo these days because he meets with people at Shueisha doing his V-Jump column. Mr. Mucky Muck over there now. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for telling us of your experience with the Dragon Ball Meets Science exhibit. It was kind of called something else in Japanese, though, wasn't it? Yes. It's, what is it? Um, Dragon Ball de Kagakusuru, which means doing science with Dragon Ball. But then in English, it was actually called Dragon Ball Meets Science. Yes. All but right. Of course, the, in, in English, is mostly all the brilliant scientist jokes because of the old Funimation dub. Uh-huh. Bardock. Well, thank you again for that. Uh, we have some photos up on Facebook that we put up uh, shortly after the event happened. You went, and I think we got some more that we'll add at some point, so I will link to that. All right, Julian, let's turn it over to news. So these last couple of weeks have been pretty busy. Uh, we have some video game related stuff and then we get some big news related stuff. So let's just cover it. Uh, I'm going to start with the Xenoverse. That is the new game coming to the PlayStation 3, the PlayStation 4, the Xbox 360, the Xbox One. Don't have a date for it. They're just continuing to promote things. I know last time on the show, Julian, you and I covered Time Patrol Trunks and how that's all going to be happening. And there would be a network test that would be happening. So now we have updates on various things. Tokyo Games show is going to be happening uh actually it is this coming week september 18th through the 21st it's the kind of Ooh. thing where the first two days are press only and then the second two days are open to the public they will have xenoverse playable and there will also be a trailer there that was all good and well but uh the big news was that the network test uh started not not started up but they're uh moving toward it they actually moved up the date of sending out the i don't want to call it the the winning code is on the Japanese PS3. The first phase was Japan only. What you did to enter for the opportunity to potentially play the network test version of the game is you downloaded this little entry card thing on the PlayStation Store, and then if you were selected, you would get an email. Now, that was originally scheduled, I think, for the, the 18th or the 19th. They moved it up. They crossed it out in red and wrote a new date of the 11th. I got to work that day. Like, whoa, whoa, what is this email doing here already? So I did get mine, so I'm really excited about that. Uh, the date itself 
schedule for the network test is still set for September 20th. I guess they're just sending things out a little early. Uh, it's going to be helpful because then you can download things ahead of time, be ready to go. Right. Well, maybe they just got so many people applying that they decided they'd cut it off now. Yeah, yeah, they just had to start. They're still uh, accepting entries. Uh, really, it's going to be for that second phase, which is going to be uh, October 4th that starts up. Uh, and that one's going to be global. We knew it was going to be global from the Japanese announcement before, but then Bandai Namco Europe announced, yep, we are in on it. So they provided a little press release that seemed half original and half awkwardly translated from the Japanese. Even the uh, the official website they have up in English for it says, participate to the network test. It really feels like Japanese people set up all this English stuff, or maybe just even people over in Europe that don't speak English did it. I mean, there is Bandai Namco UK. I, You'd think maybe they could be in charge of all the English information. Maybe not. But they will indeed be in on this second phase. They have a registration up as well. So I'm very much looking forward to checking out. Uh, it'll be in Japanese, but the Japanese version of the network test for Dragon Ball Xenoverse. I've already had a couple people ask me, oh, you're going to record gameplay footage. I don't actually have anything like that. I'm behind the times. I'm not in on the, uh, the Twitch era of gaming. I don't stream any of my stuff, although I probably should. I guess that'd be a, a cool thing to do in the future, but uh, I will not be doing that. I'm sure plenty of other people will be doing it. You will, of course, hear me talking about it here on the show. I'll probably write something up on the website as well, so you can look forward to that. That's kind of it for Xenoverse news right now. There's nothing new about gameplay itself or story, so I guess we got to take it over to Dragon Ball Heroes. Julian, we've had uh, a couple little things here and there, just ongoing sales of Ultimate Mission 2. It's doing okay. It's charting a little bit behind the first game. That's to be expected. But uh, I guess let's start here with the four-year anniversary stream that's coming on October 5th. Uh, Dragon Ball here, can you believe it's been four years of this? I know, it's kind of crazy to think that it's been going on for this long already, but this seems like they've really been... They've nailed it this all these time. different story things. Yeah, it's it's gotten a lot of popularity. You think back to Dragon Battlers, like, okay, here's a new one, here's Data Cardas, uh, updates yes. and lines and things, but this one, it's Bakuretsu been... Impact. Oh, that's right, Bakuretsu Impact, yeah. It's been the same one for four years. I can't believe it. So they're going to be doing a celebratory stream. The big thing here, it's been teased for a while. Broly's coming. Yep. We knew he That's was coming. Thing. We got a tease of it a while ago, but uh, it seems more significant this time because Nozawa's going to be there, of course, but uh, Bean Shimada, the voice of Broly himself, will also be there as a special guest, as well as someone named Dogma Kazumi. Seems to be a YouTube personality. I haven't actually watched any of the stuff. Is he related to Bandai in some way? I have no idea. I really not a clue. I mean, even the people who appear on TV, you'd be hard pressed for me to remember their names or <laughs> yeah, how I they're figured. different from the other TV personalities in Japan. I gotcha. So yeah, admittedly, we have no idea who this is, but Julian, the, the uh, three characters, I guess you call them from Charisma, but you were explaining yeah. to me that for Dragon Ball Heroes, charisma is almost the title of a thing, but it's also this term that's just in general usage. Yeah, well, charisma in, in Japanese doesn't actually mean charisma itself. It means people who are sort of young and up-and-comers and sort of have charisma. Gotcha. And it's sort of applied by Bande Namco in reference to these characters, one of whom I'm not quite sure if he's an actual character, if he's kind of like a developer who's... Who got shoehorned into the role of a character and just yeah, yeah. with it. Seems that way. He's kind of like the face of Dragon Ball heroes in the magazines and stuff. If you're familiar with the Victory Mission comic, which I guess it's me who's familiar with it, but there's these 
always these three different people who sort of keep charge of um, promoting the game and sort of being the representatives of the game when they have tournaments and introducing concepts and tutorials in the magazine V-Jump. So there's Yoshito-kun, who's the quote-unquote engineer, sort of the representative of the video game company itself, and it's yeah. unclear if he a actually works for them or if he's an actor hired to play the role of a developer or what exactly. In the third anniversary roundtable from V-Jump last year, he claimed to actually do R&D for Bondi, but I'm not sure if that's a cover story or if that's the actual truth. Got it. And the other two are uh, a man and a woman who rotate over time as their actors go on and do other things, uh, but they're basically glorified mascot characters who take charge of things like tutorials and stuff. So they're all going to be there. They're going to cover information about the game, the competition finals, the history of the Cardas series. Um, and then there's this Super Saiyan 4 Broly Explosive Birth Festival is going to be part of this. They have a little tiny image teasing that. So uh, I guess we'll watch the stream and we'll see what happens. It'll be good to uh, get quotes from Nozawa and Shimada at the very least, right? Yeah. We'll watch it I for that. I think so. Uh, other than that, um, I mean, JM6 just hit this week uh the evil dragon mission uh, i think we were excited about the little goku card which showed him as he appears in jocko the galactic patrolman and jocko yes. comes out as a special attack but it didn't seem to really be a full-on jocko expansion as we got the preview footage and the commercial and the how-to video it's really still about the evil dragons and then the movie to the DBZ movie two villains here and yeah. just this little side card of Jocko's stuff. Yes. Well, it seems like with the introduction of the evil dragons, they introduced this thing where there's peril all across the different eras of Dragon Ball. So you have to go back and forth to all these different time periods and yeah, fight yeah. different villains and stuff. That's the paper thin excuse for <laughs> right. why you're doing that. Yeah. But it seems like they're eventually leading up to the in introduction of the one star dragon who will build, be the ultimate villain of this storyline I guess you could call it. Yeah, yeah. Although I have no idea how long it'll take them to get there. Um, the Galaxy mission went for 10 iterations, mm -hmm. so uh, they did it every two months. So it was 20 months of uh, real time. So we'll see how long, how far this one goes. I'm real curious. Are they going to go on to a fourth set of expansions, or are we going to get uh, an all new thing? I, mean, I feel like I don't know. I mean, Heroes is such a go big brand. Here? Well, we talked about that. I think there's a podcast episode. Where do we go from here? Dragon Ball Heroes. What else can they do with it? I definitely recommend that podcast episode. I think you and I covered a lot of stuff there. Do you think Jocko will get a full expansion for just that story? That's a good question. I could see them utilizing him and the other characters from that story at least a little bit. This seems so minor. I mean, Jocko could be his own character rather than just an attack. I don't see why not. I think they'll maybe do something with it as the new movie approaches just as a way of tying stuff in. Well, that's true. We got another movie coming, so Heroes has to at least last through there so they can pull that in. Yeah, I have to imagine they'll do something to promote the movie with new releases. Maybe we'll even get the first few arcs of the series in full color in print. Let's move on to other news. That's uh, the video game stuff. There's some merchandise stuff there's a calendar there's uh they finally showed off the dimension of dragon ball figure for piccolo looks very cool you can check that out i think the biggest news of the last couple weeks which actually just came out is uh we have info on the third closing theme for the japanese broadcast of the majin buu arc of dragon ball kai such a pain in the butt to explain that each time because remember there are two different versions of the majin buu arc of kai there is the japanese broadcast and there is this international version which is going 
under the subtitle of the final chapters, which is longer than the Japanese broadcast. This is the Japanese broadcast we're talking about. We had uh, Dear Zarathustra from Good Morning America. We had yes. Junjo Pure Heart from Leo Ieri. And Julian, what is the third closing theme going to be? Oh, yeah. With seven exclamation points. Right. By Cheko no Republic, which is sort of a mishmash of English and Japanese, meaning the Czech Republic. Right. But I don't know why they're called that. You might as well ask why the Decemberists have the name of uh, people who fomented a rebellion. I don't know. Yeah, well, I know. It's, it's a band name. Uh, really interesting. Yeah. This is going to be their first major label single. So they're kind of a, an up and coming band. It seems Kai, they're really taking an opportunity to promote younger artists here. Yeah. So, uh, oh yeah, again, seven exclamation points. There's a reason for that, which you can read in Julian. Uh, you had these opening comments from Masami Take, who is the bassist and the vocalist for the band. Really, I thought it was a really fun explanation and it seems yeah. really uh, enthusiastic. Definitely uh, an expression of love for the series. And totally. the fact that there's seven exclamation points is, well, at least it's meaningful. Otherwise, it'd be really difficult to remember. So uh, the song's going to start up on the October 5th episode. So that's actually coming pretty soon. And then the CD single itself will be coming out November 12th. You get a limited edition and a regular edition. I think I'm finally breaking my streak. I don't need to keep buying two or three versions of these CD singles. I'm just getting the one. Well, it sounds like the only difference this time will be the DVD included in the limited edition. Right. might have different covers, though. Right, right. I know Junjo. They were all different covers. And I think they even had some different songs between them i mean the only song i really cared about was dragon ball one but uh yeah there you go i think that is the important news from the last week maybe julian real quickly let's cover the shonen jump plus thing because i see a lot of rampant speculation out there which i think is really really off base i mean we don't know what it is but if i had to guess i think it's really really off base um you know we're only just now talking about it because it's only just now dragon ball related this is actually the third week of them promoting shonen jump plus exciting thing that shuisha has planned they started with I don't know if it was started with JoJo's and then... Yeah, they started with JoJo's and then it was Hitman Reborn that they did for the second Oh, uh, yes, 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 yes. Now it's Dragon Ball and One Piece. It's Goku and Luffy. The way that this is working is each one adds a little bit to an ongoing sentence. And we finally got a complete sentence with uh, this third week, which is Shonen Jump, I will surpass you. Now, I, as I was saying, I think people are only latching onto this, understandably so, because we only just now mention it because it's only just now Dragon Ball related. A lot of people are like, oh, is it going to be another crossover? Is it going to be this multi-franchise crossover thing? I think people are reading into that a bit too much. If I yeah. had to guess, maybe it's just Shueisha finally going to do a digital release of Jump. I mean, the, the sound of it, we're, it's this new plus project. It's going to surpass what exists now. I don't think it's going to be like a series or a crossover or anything like that. I think it's going to be a product that Shueisha is going to release. Yeah, I think you might be right. To be honest, um, I had this weird, probably off base again, but, uh, you know, Viz put out its previous uh, version of Jump before they had uh, the digital weekly shonen jump which was called shonen jump alpha you know in japanese plus alpha means a little something extra uh as i am familiar with from the street fighter ex games of course yes maybe it's a digital edition of the magazine maybe it's something that you can unlock with a code from the print edition that will give you access to 
lots of extra things. I don't know, but yeah, and, you know, they're they're so slow to jump into things. They're really wary of the digital age. They may even do a thing where the digital version is two weeks behind the print edition, just like Visage Shonen Jump Alpha was, because they don't want to risk digital versions getting out there so fast. I mean, still, you can't compete with piracy. It's already out there three days ahead of time anyway, but maybe if they want to hold off that cleanest digital version as much as possible, they could do something like that. I don't know, but I I think I just want to hold back folks' expectations. I don't think this is going to be a crossover or a series. As seen by them reusing older artwork here, at least in Dragon Ball's case, I don't think you can look forward to like new Dragon Ball content. So... That's a downer, but we'll look forward to it. Uh, They do have another tease coming next week, it looks like. So look forward to it. As they say in Japan, Julian, let's talk about Super DBZ. So this was a two-part project for me that kind of expanded in both ways a little bit. Uh, I've always loved Super Dragon Ball Z. It was originally an arcade game, and then it was ported to the PlayStation 2 in 2006. We did get it over in the U.S. as well. I know Europe got it. Loved the game. It was completely different from what we were getting at the time. I've described this era as you had this perfect trifecta of games. You had Budokai 3, you had Sparking Meteor, and you also had Super DBZ, no matter what kind of fighting game you were looking for. It was really something that appealed to your tastes at the time. And then we got Battle Stadium D.O.N. later that year. So if you were into the party style of fighting games like Smash Brothers, uh, you had that as well. So maybe it was a a quadrecta. What would you call that? A really good bunch of games. (laughs) That's right. You had a bunch of good games. Super DBZ, I loved it. It came from Kraftmeister, who was... uh, a development studio headed by uh, Funamizu, who was an ex-Capcom person, actually worked on Street Fighter games and the Versus games. So it was someone who was really familiar with the uh, fighting game in and outs. And uh, I, I really, really enjoyed the game. So I was doing research into the game just in general, trying to pull things out, what cool stuff was out there. And uh, the main thing I came across was actually a sketch and a quote from Toriyama uh, looking forward to the game's arcade release. So that was super cool. So we're going to have that up on the website. But then that got me thinking, all right, Mecha Frieza. There are six additional characters in the home port of Super DBZ. Yes. Mecha Frieza is the one of the bunch who is, I don't want to say completely different, but has a lot of additions to him. He's got this giant bazooka. He throws these like razor things. He's got a new design to him. It's still the Mecha Frieza that we see go up against Trunks, but he's got extra stuff. Now, this all stems back as far as I can tell to a hands-on preview of the game back in May 2006, Chris Roper over on IGN. This is what he wrote. While the character set is limited to 18, there are a handful of playable characters not yet seen in a DBZ game. Chi-Chi, Goku's wife, makes her first appearance, for example. Not only that, but original Dragon Ball creator Akira Toriyama has created a Mecha Frieza specifically for the game. Talk about official. Now, we kind of, at the time, just accepted this as, oh, that's a cool tidbit. Cool. Toriyama worked on something for the game. We just went with it. The thing is, well, here we are in 2014. This is the thing that we do on Konzenshu, and this is either why you love us or why you hate us. We're very much into critical thinking. Where did that information come from? Can we find a source for that information? Is this real information? Just because something was published doesn't mean it's true. How can we get to the bottom of this? Well, back up to 2005. Okay. I was 
in university. You were? Still learning Japanese. I was not in Japan at the time. You were going there soon. I was going there soon, but even so, I was busy wrapped up in schoolwork. It was an interesting time. But anyway, I was not paying attention to V-Jump and really into Dragon Ball video games the way Mike is. I played Super DBZ once in an arcade and lost to a kid who right. was playing with Chi-Chi. No, no, not Chi-Chi. Was she added to the game? No, Chi-Chi was in the arcade version. She was one of the last additions to the arcade versions. Like her okay. number 17 were kind of toward the end there. Ah, okay. So yeah, I, I had my ass handed to me. But anyway, yeah. Um, anyway, we had no reason to doubt it at the time. Um, but right. looking back, you know, it seems like it, at the very least something that would be mentioned on the Japanese version of Wikipedia. I mean, that's got lots of unsourced information. Right. Half the time. Which a lot of which we, I said which in the same sentence there, <laughs> we have been able to track down the original publications and verify, oh, that actually is in there. There have been some where we found the publication and saw that just like the English Wikipedia, no, this was made up. This isn't actually in the magazine. But it is a starting point. As <laughs> I'm sure if you're younger, you've been told in school, Wikipedia is a starting point. This is not your source. It's a place to find sources that you can actually use. Wikipedia did didn't exist when I was in school. But anyway, continue. Yes, barely existed when I was in school. But right, I know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, well, it was strange that Toriyama wouldn't mention something like that in, you know, Stuff. a quote of some kind. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so we thought, okay, well, can we find some sort of confirmation that he actually designed this version of Mechafrieza? And I think, was it Kay who sort of pointed us to uh, an issue of V-Jump from 2006, 2005? Yes. yes, he did. You know, I had an issue or two, but it was after the game had already been released from the 2006 era. So Kay didn't own the magazine himself, but he looked around and he said, oh, it looks like Mecha Frieza was previewed in the June 2006 issue of V-Jump. Okay, that's a great starting point. Um, I actually asked Trevax as well, whatever he's going by these days, if he owned that issue, and he didn't. So we said, okay, we have to buy this issue. Uh, luckily, I found it for, I think, five bucks on Yahoo Japan. So I said, Julian, order me this magazine. And being a dutiful slave, I did. That's right. And this started the project of <laughs> ordering a whole bunch of old V-Jump issues. But uh, just sticking with this one, sure enough, uh, this is one of two in a row where they kind of broke those six down into two parts. So one issue would cover three of them, and then the other issue covered another three of them. This June 2006 issue had a uh, big spread on Mecha Frieza. And if this was the first instance of them really promoting it, this was the perfect place for a giant splash to say, designed by Toriyama, and maybe include a quote about it, or dedicate an entire page to how awesome Toriyama's contributions were. Julian, what is there? Um, a description of the character with several images of the character and his new abilities and techniques, and hints that maybe there are other things that he can have access to if you use the appropriate upgrades. Right, they're just describing the game. Yes, but nothing about Toriyama. No, nothing not, not even Not even a little hint of the little Toribot doodle that nope. he uses so often. Now, this kind of ties into more online chatter, because again, we're looking for, at the time, references to this happening. Not stuff later. We're going to dig back to what were these first mentions. Major thanks to Kay for helping dive into some stuff that pointed us in the correct directions. But Julian, we did find some online chatter from Japanese fans that seemed to relate to this magazine, but things don't add up. So what happened here? So we have some chatter on uh, Ni Channel, which is um, the Japanese sort of free-for-all uh, message board. It's um, famous for, oh, lots of things and people tracking down the addresses of um, unscrupulous people and uh, people who don't want to be bothered alike and hotbeds of ultra-nationalist right-wing people who don't leave their houses and, you know, 
things like that. But anyway, right. <laughs> there's lots of normal discussion as well. Like video games. And so there's this sort of exchange between two random people was one person's talking about the new V-Jump. It's like, well, look, it looks like there's going to be upgrades to Mecha Frieza, and it was supervised by Toriyama. They said it in V-Jump. The other guy's like, hey, wow, that's really cool. Looks like I'm going to, this next few weeks are going to be worth my time after all. Um, the thing is, these comments are around the time of the magazine's release, but when you compare it to what's actually in the magazine, that doesn't exist there. So where do you think this is coming from? Is this, as I was describing it, I think in the giant updates you're going to see, just like a multilingual game of telephone going on where maybe they saw some of the American coverage combined with maybe leaks of the magazine ahead of time before they actually had it in their own hands, just like we see these days well i think you may be getting it backwards i think probably uh well the fact that the toriyama supervised sort of had a supervision credit over the game even though he was relatively mm. hands off you know as as is his right boss. right maybe they interpreted that as to he specifically over uh supervised the new editions mm -hmm. and then in turn maybe the author of the ign article or somebody close to him saw that and misinterpreted as being Toriyama directly involved. Right there we have to talk about the game itself because we had things descriptions like Toriyama shading when Budokai Dragon Ball Z 2 came out and they switched from just textures over to cell shading but Super DBZ was the first game where they really tried to emulate Toriyama's style itself and specifically the manga. The coloring, the kind of pastel-y colors, uh, even the loading screens were modeled after the Tonkobone uh, covers and title chapter pages, that kind of stuff. Super DBZ was very much a lovely letter to Toriyama, as you're going to see in some of the quotes that we're going to have going up from the production staff, uh, hopefully this week, coming soon. Uh, so I think a lot of this information is just kind of getting cross-wired here, possibly? Possibly. Um, something gets its wires crossed. But I think just the fact that it's designed to try and be as true to Toriyama's style, and I, I don't know if vision is the right word, considering someone like Toriyama, but right. his, his overall ethos. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and somewhere along the line somebody misinterpreted that as well he specifically designed these new additions so i mean think about the sources here all right who wrote this chris roper at ign who actually now works for sony all right let's ask him the thing is when by the time i thought to do this it was 2014 so <laughs> i kind of prefaced it like look this is weird you probably don't remember. Sure enough. Nope. I have no idea. All right. Thanks anyway. So <laughs> you really can't get to the bottom of it. I mean, when you think about the games enthusiast press and what they were doing at the time, what they do now, there's no way that someone's going to remember information they probably heard offhand in 2006 at a trade show previewing a game. So that's not going to help us. But Julian, we can't stick to just this one issue of VJump. It could have been published maybe somewhere else. VJump was a good source, but maybe there was something else so uh, a couple things that you and i did was we got yep. all the v jump issues surrounding there so as i look over at my shelf i'm turning my head so maybe i'm not right on the microphone um, we've got may through october 2006 right now which basically is the entirety of the coverage of the ps2 port of super dbz and sure enough there is nothing in there nope nope however nothing. the August issue came with something called this seven super words. It's a bonus pamphlet on the nicer stock of paper. It's like somewhere between paper and cardboard. Um, and it kind of details really cool stuff about the game. But Julian, this had quotes from uh, Funamizu over at Crafts and Meister. Uh, lots yes. of stuff here and then talking about how much he loved 
Toriyama and just this opportunity to work on the game. This is the kind of thing where it's like, all right, the game is literally coming out. Here is our last big piece of promotion for the game in V-Jump. It's this bonus pamphlet. It's huge. It's awesome. No mention there. I mean, he talks about how Toriyama uh, met with him one time and he was worried that he was overdoing things. But Toriyama said, you're free to make it however you want. Right. But that's that's the only thing where Toriyama has any direct uh, influence on what he's talking about. Yeah, that's the extent of it. he's saying, you can do whatever. <laughs> right. So at this point, I'm thinking, all right. The official website, you go back to what I kind of started things with, it had a sketch and a quote from Toriyama. If the official website for the game was actively doing stuff like this, like getting quotes from Toriyama, let's check out the PS2 era of the archives of the website. And sure enough, it had um, two different sides to it. It was the arcade and the PS2 version. The PS2 version of the website previewed these six new characters. Here's the splash from Frieza. Here's nothing about Toriyama. It just talks about how upgraded he is. So here we are, all this Japanese stuff. No mention of Toriyama. All right, this mention of Toriyama's design came from an English person. I guess an American person, spoken in English. Uh, what else is going on in America at the time? Well, I have the entire run of Viz's monthly Shonen Jump from its preview issue up through the end of 2006. Let's look in there. So specifically, I went to the August issue of 2006, there's two things about Super DBZ. There's a big ad for it, and there's some preview coverage of it. Sure enough, the ad, well, I say sure enough, it's not what you think. The ad promotes Mechafrieza. He's kind of, it's not really front and center. It's one side Goku, one side Mechafrieza. All new design Mechafrieza. Okay, it says nothing about Toriyama there. And the preview coverage, nothing about Toriyama there. So I don't think it's anything like, it wasn't even... You could possibly infer it from there. It didn't say anything about Toriyama. Right. I think it's just that they're so heavily promoting Mecha Frieza. Again, with all these things, maybe someone just ran with it. Yeah, I mean, especially if you think about it in Viz's Shonen Jump, where they were actively running the work of Akira Toriyama. Right. <laughs> that would be the perfect place for them to plug Toriyama's involvement. Right. And yet... The fact that they don't speaks volumes. And I think here's where we have to wrap it up is, all right, we got all these V-Jump issues, all these other things. We don't have everything from that time. It's impossible for us to check out all the monthly jump issues, never mind all the weekly Shonen Jump issues. Even How in, about Famitsu? Oh, man, I kind of forgot about that. Yeah, there's all these other things out there. We can't check them out. Even in V-Jump, there's a little corner. It's like, look for more coverage of Super DBZ and these issues of Weekly Jump and this monthly jump. We can't check them all out. However, I think there's one final piece of evidence that is kind of the nail in the coffin here and that is the choga shoe the super art collection that came out in 2013 julian you and i reviewed it on the show it yep. um it was kind of the accompanying final piece of the chosen shoe collection which was an upgraded version of the daizen shoe now the so many words here let me get this straight the chosen shoe were four volumes upgrading the daizen shoe however they did not include the art from daizen shoe one which was the basically a Toriyama art book for Dragon Ball in the Daizenshu run. And at the time, yeah. we're like, oh, what are they going to do with all that? Maybe they'll do an extra book and upgrade that. Sure enough, that's what they did. After the Chozenshu, yeah. we got the Chogashu, which was Daizenshu 1 upgraded. And it included an entirely new bonus section with all the stuff, the Kanzenban artwork, promotional things in the uh, subsequent years. And here, I think, is the best correlation and probably, again, the best piece of evidence. Julian Toriyama designed Chilled for Episode of yes. Bardock, which was by Naho Oishi. Now, if you go back to when Episode of Bardock premiered in V-Jump, there was a big splash that said, hey, 
Toriyama did this. Isn't this awesome? And sure enough, yeah. that design was reprinted in the Choga shoe. If that was there, that was 2011. Super DBZ was... 2006, 2005 into 2006. The right time frame where if that was a thing that happened, wouldn't that also be in the Super Art Collection? It's not there. You'd think. I mean, they even have like the little sketches that Toriyama did for like the dioramas and things that yeah, yeah. The art, the, all the little package art that he did for the the DVD sets, and it's it's really, really. I mean, I think they were trying to get as much stuff as possible, since obviously he hasn't drawn that much right. in the intervening so they, years. Yeah, they were going to everything. So if he even did any kind of little sketch or just a thought about it, it would have been in there. You'd yeah, think. and it's not. So I think that kind of wraps it up. So I, I think that's a, a good behind the scenes look at some of the stuff we do and why it takes so long for us to do some of the stuff we do but the awesome part about just the mecha freezer research project alone is we found all this other awesome stuff it gave us toriyama's quote about super dbc it gave us more quotes from the production staff of super dbc there's three folks in in particular so we're going to have one from v jump from funimizu actually a whole series of things from him but then the official website had three folks from crafts and meister that worked on the game quotes from them as well so we kind of get this really great wholesome view of super dbc <laughs> and and how it was created and how these people reacted to being able to work on it at the time and i feel it was very different because it was a, a different kind of studio that worked on it as opposed to folks like dimps and Spike, where the producers are uh, a little more reserved in what they talk about. Uh, we've had yeah. some of the producer talks from Bandai Namco talk about it. I'm blanking on his name. It starts with a D. Is it Daisuke something? I, I can't remember his name. He's occasionally out there granting interviews, but it's real basic stuff. This, uh, Daisuke Uchiyama. Thank you, Uchiyama. Yes, yes. This was very meaty. Like, there was a lot of stuff from these folks, and I just love that. The, the things that we do that then lead to other things. I love that stuff. Except that it has stuff that requires free time that I don't have. Right. Yeah. <laughs> There's only so much I can do. That's like, Julian, Jake, here you go. Can you do the rest of my research project for me? It's like being in school. It's like, mommy, can you do my homework for me? The excuse being that um, it's not that I don't speak math. It's not a problem. <laughs> right. Uh, so I think that is that. Uh, translated quotes are coming your way. This is going to be in addition to the rumor guide i think that's a great place for it originally this was going to just be a, a quick homepage update and then we found so many other things like this doesn't fit here anymore this belongs uh archived in a, in a full section here just so many great pictures and interviews and quotes and stuff i am excited to have that done and speaking of having it done julian it's 12 30 a.m you should go to bed yeah i suppose so well, thank you for joining me. It's been a wonderful episode to catch up on news and content we've been working on. Again, I think it's a good look at what's going on with the site. Uh, what else you want to plug other than Playboy issues and <laughs> other stuff we have? Well, there's a there's a couple of other things that I've found over the like. There's early early interviews from 1980. There's a three-month span in the Shoujo magazine Ribbon from 1981 where he's uh -huh. interviewed by some of the authors from that. Did you send me one of those? I think so. Uh, I, I sent you two issues. I'm working on getting the third one, but okay. so far I can only locate one that's packaged with two issues that I don't need. Gotcha. Yeah, and I'm, I'm collecting a lot of stuff. There's some nifty interviews for, with Toriyama during different periods of Dragon Ball serialization. Mm-hmm. 
Um, there's one in particular I just got a hold of, which is he's interviewed um, extensively about not only Dragon Ball, but his entire career, just as Dragon Ball is hitting its stride, but it hasn't been on TV yet. So hmm. it's an interesting cool. era for the series. And there's another one with a magazine that I'm still having trouble tracking down where he talks to Rumiko Takahashi. Um, they're I think at the time, Dragon Ball was about to go on the air and also Maison Ikoku was also either starting soon or already airing. Gotcha. So all these interesting things that are a little bit lesser known, but still out there. And I'd really like to get them on the site. And there's also a lot of Dr. Slump era stuff, which is less important to the site, but it does provide a foundation to Toriyama and how he developed. All right. That's going to bring us to a close. www.kanzenshuu.com comes in shoe. We got the site, we got the Twitter, we got the Facebook, we got the Googles, we got the Tumblers. Wherever you want to go, we got stuff for you. Julian, thanks for joining me, sir. Yes, it was a pleasure. All right. For you, for Jake, for Heath, my name is Mike. I go by Vegito EX. I also go by Mike. Whatever you want to call me. Uh, I'll see you next time for 370. We're approaching another anniversary of the podcast later in November. Can you believe we're, we're heading into that time era? Oh, wow. And then the, the overall site as a whole, every January turns another year. I mean, yes. if, you, if you trace things all the way back, which it really is. I mean, it's all yes. still the same foundation and basis as it has always been. Yes. Uh, I was still in high school when I joined you in this crazy project. I know. I know. You young whippersnapper, you. Yes. And I've just now started collecting jump issues from the run of the series, which, you know, <laughs> yeah. I probably should have thought of sooner considering I've been in the country for seven years, but better late than never. Uh, that's kind of our mission at Kanzanshu is, hey, what yes. did we forget to do? Let's go do that. Yeah. It's everything. But yeah. All right, man, we're done. Take care. Stay tuned. Like I said, I'm going to play that little curb blog for you, uh, talking about Super DBZ with Chris, about the game itself. And then I tease what you already heard about. So look forward to that. That's coming at you momentarily. See you later, folks. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kanzenshu, the podcast. Catch us again next time. Welcome to Kurt. <laughs> You're confusing no. me. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. I don't want to be a plagiarist here. Welcome to Kerr Blog. Uh, we cover anything and anything that I feel like talking about with hopes of entertaining and a little bit of enlightening. We cover everything Kerberfer here on Kerberfer, all about Kerberfer. Uh, that's right. I'm joined by another uh, first-time guest. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself, sir? Uh, hi, my name is Mike. I go by Vegito EX, and you will forever be the little kid at the convention saying hi to me. That's right. That's right. Anime Next 2006. That's what I'll be forever in your eyes. <laughs> you will. It's like every cousin that I have is perpetually seven years old, and you're always just 
just the kid at the convention to me. It doesn't matter how old we get. Lord. Well, well, it's funny because uh, so Mike has been running a, uh, a Dragon Ball website since 1990. How long ago? 1998. Like, it sounded like you're about to say 1991. It's like, well, not really, no, no. but that'd be kind of cool. <laughs> I wish. Uh, yeah, he's been running this Dragon Ball website, which has gone through many names. It is currently called Konzenshu. That is right. I've been going to it since the early 2000s, so so close to the beginning of its existence, and it has been pretty much the most authoritative uh, fan-run website for anything and everything Dragon Ball-related stuff like ever going on. Currently, he and his crew are killing themselves, keeping up with news about this new video game and this new movie that was just announced. Oh, shit. But we're not here to talk about that today. We're talking about a video game that came out like ages ago by this point. So I recently uh, I actually recorded it before... I moved to California about a month or a month and a half or so by this point. I did an episode of Continue with the fine folks from Normal Boots. And uh, we played the wonderful game that I'm sure you love dearly, Mike. A little game called Dragon Ball Z Ultimate Battle 22. Ah, yes. Intimately familiar with it. Fantastic game. I I like to call it Paper Dragon Ball Z. (laughs) I can see why. That's what it looks like. No, well, here's the most important question. Did you play the Japanese version or the North American release? Well, we played the North American release, but but obviously it has the Japanese voice. I know, but the North American release took out the interstitial character talkings between each other, where it's crayon drawings with blah, blah 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 mouth movements and oh, i'm yeah. so sorry you missed that that's right well we, we did get to experience a, a bunch of people who had never seen dbc in japanese before hearing uh masako nozawa do like four or five playable characters in the game yeah and that's how it was back in the day when final bout came out over here in north america in 97 the character select screen was all english voices but then in game it was japanese voices yeah which must have been like really weird for anybody it watching was super weird. yeah <laughs> like Different cast. I mean, you've covered this on your videos. People know they've has, seen, heard. Has. You can go see that. Thank, well, that Scott, I have Scott to thank for that information because he was the one who did all the detective work on that. But so, so we're going to talk about a game that is is not too old, but but not too new. It, it's one that, that I, I mentioned at the very end of the continue episode because uh, they were like, oh, are, are there any good Dragon Ball Z games? And and I mentioned Super Dragon Ball Z for PlayStation Two. Uh, and Mike, why don't why don't you talk a little bit about Super DBC? Because you actually know a little bit about like kind of the creation of it and everything. Oh man, this goes back to all those rumors back when Dragon Ball games were just getting going again. It was man, wouldn't it be awesome if Capcom? made a Dragon Ball video game and people think to the Versus series and the Street Fighter games, but really the Versus series with the over the top attacks, all that. I'm like, yeah, that would, that would be super cool. Uh, we sort of got that. There's a guy named Noritaka Funamizu who used to work at Capcom and worked on the Street Fighter series and on some of the Versus games. He was a planner. He was a producer. Yeah. He went and made his own, uh, game development studio, Crafts and Meister. And, uh, yeah, they made a Dragon Ball game that was an arcade game in Japan first and then went to PS2. And it is fantastic. It is so good. Now, I kind of want to set the stage a little bit because this was really the best golden age of Dragon Ball video games, that kind of mid to late PS2 era. As everyone thinks back fondly on the Budokai series, which are just called Dragon Ball Z in Japan, DBZ 123, Budokai 123. So we had Budokai 3 in whatever year that was, like 2003, 2004. Then we went into the Sparking series, which we got as Budokai Tenkaichi. So you had this kind of awesome trifecta where you had Budokai 3 and then later Infinite World. You had 
Sparking Meteor, Budokai Tenkaichi 3, and then you had Super DBZ. It's like no matter what kind of gamer you were, no matter what kind of Dragon Ball fighting game you were looking for, you were covered. And then you also had some Smash Brothers S games on the on the side with that uh, Battle Stadium and the uh, Jump Stars games on DS. I mean, there was anything and everything you wanted to play was there. And for someone like me who cut his teeth on Street Fighter games, I mean, I was playing Super Turbo in arcades into the Alpha series. And then when I was in college, Street Fighter 3 was around. Just being able able to think a guy who worked on Street Fighter, I can do quarter circle motions and a Kamehameha is going to come out th- that blew my mind and having to cover it from afar when it first came out in Japan, like I can't touch this game. And my buddy Julian, who works on the site with us, was in Japan, I think the first or second or third, whatever time he went over there before he started living there. Uh, he actually got a chance to play it and he played as Chichi, who's one of the playable characters from the 23rd Budokai. And he, Julian's not a video gamer, really, never mind a fighting game player. So he got his ass handed to him by some random Japanese person. But hearing these stories secondhand, just it, it oh, stake through my heart. Like, when can I play this game? Yeah, I, uh, I I got to eventually play it after hearing these guys cover the game for uh, for quite a while now. Um, they uh, they were they were covering it back when it came out in Japan like several years ago, and I was super hyped for it just hearing about the concept of it because yeah, it, it is basically the Street Fighter engine like something like like akin to that not literally but um you know developed by people who worked on it and yeah like you do like like a, a hadoken motion he does mm-hmm. a kamehameha you do the shoryuken motion he does like a dragon uppercut or whatever yeah it was always really hard to explain because it's not a 2d fighter it's on a 3d field you can go 360 degrees you can even burst up into the air for a little bit so you have these traditional capcom street fighter quarter circle motions going on dragon punch motions going on but you also kind of have these tap tap tekken style combos and interrupts and other things going on at the same time i've never been able to appropriate describe the gameplay of Super DBZ. It's kind of, you gotta go play it for yourself. Yeah, and, and I and I can say this, because I've played a decent number of the, uh, you know, the modern DBZ games, uh, starting from the ones that we were getting with Budokai and onward. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, they're fun for what they're worth. I mean, you guys have done a lot of in-depth reviews on them, like, over, over many years. Uh, for me, personally, they're, they're very just kind of, like, whatever. Like, they're just, you know, you, you have some fun with it, a little, little trip down memory lane, you have fun doing the moves and everything, but Super DBZ was a game that I, I willingly wanted to keep playing over and over. And and it's interesting because, you know, like when the, the Budokai Tenkaichi games, the sparking games were coming out over here, you know, part of the marketing was like 150 playable characters, right, which, yep. which, you know, Mike and I both can tell you that's like, it's five characters with 120 different skins exactly. on top of them. You've got Bata, who moves really fast and does 20 hits in a punch. You've got Super Trunks, who's slow and kicks over his head, and so on and so forth. Yeah, So, but but in this case, what, what, there were like maybe 15 to 20 characters at the most in this one, I think? Yeah, yeah it was a, a pretty small selection. And the thing you're talking about, where you just want to keep going back and back to it, it's the same as Street Fighter was and even Mortal Kombat was. I mean, Mortal Kombat had a little bit more of a story mode, and especially these days, but I mean, we're not at that point yet. You just wanted to do these one-on-one fights over and over and over because the gameplay, the base of the game itself was so solid and so engaging and so intriguing that you couldn't help but want to do one more match, one more match. And it could be with the same character five times in a row, just like my wife and I will play Ryu versus Ken 20 times in a row. (laughs) And it doesn't matter. I would be playing my Mecha Frieza for three hours at a time. And it was a grand old time. Well, uh, good, good jumping point. uh, Speaking of Mecha Frieza. So, 
something that's kind of cool that's also sort of sets this one apart. Uh, Mike was talking earlier about how Chi-Chi is a playable character, which the, I think the only other time that's ever been done is I think they had like little little kid Chi-Chi in like one of the Tenkaichi games was playable. Right, right. right. Um, but we have adult Chi-Chi in, uh, in like her 23rd Budokai outfit. Like she has the, uh, like the, the sort of like Chun-Li-esque like blue and red garb going on. And they did some great stuff. They gave her the Basho Sen, which you hadn't heard about since the very beginning of the series. And she fought so differently from anyone else. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, she's got all these cool like items that are different references to things. She has the fan, she has the pole, right. she has the, the Nimbus Cloud. There's all these really interesting moves that like really set her apart as a character. And and then they also have some other like kind of curveballs. Like you know, they'll, they'll have like, you know, Majin Vegeta, and like uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Piccolo Daimao, the Demon King, and uh, some other like kind of weird ones. Oh, well, uh, oh, oh, that's right. Uh, uh, adult Gohan in this, or Teenage Gohan, whatever you want to call him, I guess. Uh, the Boo Era Gohan is dressed in like this the Kai outfit. Right, and he's uh, got the sword. And he's got he's got not only the Z sword, I think, doesn't he have Trunks a sword also? Uh, you may be able to equip it. That's the thing about Super DVZ, especially the home version, is as you're progressing and leveling up your character, uh, you can give Frieza the Kamehameha if you want. Yeah, they have all these like different, uh, I'll get more into that. I was going to say real quickly that, that they have um, uh, a sort of revitalized version of Mecha Frieza. Oh man, are you ready for me to drop some crazy knowledge on you? Because I think go, I know where you're going. Go and ahead. This go is ahead. something that we've been researching and I've spent money to research more than <laughs> I probably should. Then please, please. Alright, so here's the thing. This is like super awesome preview for things coming to Consensu in the future. So if you go back, there is an IGN article that seems to be the source of this that says Toriyama was consulted and designed the new Mecha Frieza that's in this game. Now, Mecha Frieza in this game is pretty awesome. He's got this giant bazooka on his back and he can throw explosives. I love Metal it. Metal scorpion tail. It's so, it's so good. <laughs> he, he, the way he throws these things, it reminds me, and this is, there's so many connections here because it reminds me of Doctrine Dark from Street Fighter EX when he goes, explosive. Explosive. Now, <laughs> now Shinji Hosoe, who did the music on Street Fighter EX, did the music on Super DBZ. I mean, there's so many connections going on here. But here's the thing. That information about Toriyama being involved with this Mecha Frieza does not appear to be true as far as we can tell. We have researched pretty much everything there is. Now, a lot of these reveals usually go in V-Jump over in Japan. So Shueisha is the company that puts out Weekly Shonen Jump. They do V-Jump, which is their video game magazine. These days they do Psycho Jump, which is basically Jump for Kids or 32-year-old men because that's how it goes. So we went back to... I had a couple issues around the time that Super DBZ was released. They were pumping it up for the PS2 release. I asked around. I asked people in France and I asked people in Japan, does anyone have the stupid issue where they reveal Mecha Frieza. No one had it. I was able to get the exact issue it was though, so I could track it down. I'm going to turn around and pick it up because... I did purchase it. I found it for 500 yen on Yahoo Japan Auctions. So Julian, who's over in Japan, was like, dude, it's only five bucks. Can you please order this for me? <laughs> <laughs> so we did. And it is the June 2006 issue, which debuts some of the new characters coming to the PS2 version. So just like you were saying, we've got uh, Videl here. We also have Mecha Freeze. I'm like, all right, let's look at this page. If there was anything that would have a giant splash with a picture of Tori Bot and some kind of quote, something like that, it would be on this page. There is nothing here. So we've checked not only just the V-Jump 
um, kind of debut of this character. The instruction book, you know, various strategy guides, all that kind of stuff. As far as I can tell, everything stems back to this one IGN hands-on preview of the game. And that's the source of Toriyama Design Mecha Frieza. Now, I fell victim to this too. It's like, okay, I sure, that's probably correct information. But we can't find a single Japanese source that says this is a thing. There's, see, you know, even in 2014, there are still rumors about Dragon Ball things on the internet that are, that just go completely uncovered forever. Like there it's is crazy. no OVA. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, there, there is, but it's kind of this, and then it's this, and uh, whatever. Go read all about that one. So yeah, yeah, knowledge bomb, boom. But 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 yes, the, but the that aside, even though it may or may not have even been touched by Toriyama himself, uh, there is a very very cool like. It's basically the way that I interpret it is like if Mecha Frieza got there before Goku or Trunks could do anything and he like just rained terror on the whole planet and, and wasn't he stopped. was awesome. Yeah. And he had a fucking mechanical scorpion tail and a bazooka lobster onto his back. That's right. So real quick, too. Let, let's also talk a little bit about because um, we're, we're nearing towards the 20 minute mark already. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the customization system, which we were alluding to a little bit. What's cool about this is that, you know, they have the basic modes. You have, like, arcade mode where you fight Cell at the end versus, like, like endurance mode where you can just keep fighting opponents over and over. Right. And there's also a mode that allows you to build customizable features about your characters, everything from their color scheme, their outfit, their moves. Oh, yeah. Some, some cases, their weapons. I recall having a, uh, I believe, a red, a red jacketed trunks with a lightsaber. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Which there's that, but you you know more about this system. No, that, that that sounds about right to me. It was everyone made trunks with a lightsaber and a red jacket because that was the most badass thing to do. Did you do any other? I mean, I don't know what some of the other like because I rented the game. I never owned it. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, I, I primarily played as the awesome Mecha Frieza, so it was like I alluded to earlier. Just giving Frieza the Kamehameha was the best thing ever. <laughs> and then of course, what was it? what was the con where? Ryu Senekao actually did that, I think. Oh, yeah, he's he's definitely said it before, and it's the weirdest thing to hear. And it's amazing. I well, that's that's one other thing to note, is um, this was a period when Atari had the sub-license over here, even though uh, Bandai, Namco Bandai, whatever the company was at any given time, was producing it. Um, they were doing bilingual releases. The weird thing is, Super DBZ was not a bilingual release. And it actually came out in Japan first, and I was all in on the Japanese releases. I had a Japanese PS2. Uh, so since it came out first in Japan, I just bought the Japanese release. So I got the Japanese voices there, which is what I wanted to Anyway, and there's uh, one extra track of music in the Japanese version that is uh, an allusion to the do 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 kind of general. Yeah, you know it. That um, kind of battle music from the Shinsuke Kikuchi score, and uh, that track is not in the American release. So there's some cool bonuses over there. Cool. Well, I would say, and I'll even link to some Amazon stuff of it or whatever uh please do yourself a favor if you have a playstation 2 if you have a japanese one you can p pick up the japanese copy if you, if you feel like it it was 10 bucks on play asia oh no that was infinite world it's probably still 10 bucks for super tvz though <laughs> yeah go seriously and, and on amazon i just looked up earlier it's like maybe 20 bucks at the most probably yeah, yeah. even cheaper than that uh super dragon ball z for playstation 2 it is a fantastic game it is such a it's such a hidden gem that nobody has ever heard of. I did actually, I just remember too, I did talk about it a little bit on uh, Trailer Drake's unpopular DBZ game opinion video uh, and gave it a very upraised version, shut up, uh, <laughs> version of what we're, of what we're talking about uh, here on that, but we, I wanted to go a little bit more in depth with it. And since also uh, kind of cleverly tying in since the, because uh, the, the DBZ uh, episode of Continue came out this week and next week, 
The movie is coming out in theaters. It uh, is. Mike, Mike, you're going to go see that, I imagine. I am indeed. I am as well. I'm sad. I was I was going to go see it with uh, with Kyle Labor, but unfortunately, I didn't get a ticket for the theater that he's going to. <laughs> and you're on the other side of the country, so you can't see it with me either. Uh, well, you know, I, w- I would. I would. I would have a little a little consensual mini meetup if we could do that. But shrug. But yeah, so we're, we're going to go see that. Everybody listening, go, go do that too, because this is a very rare opportunity that, you know, who knows if it ever will come again? If right. you can go see, if you can go see it at, at a theater that's close by, please go see Battle of Gods. It's fantastic. It's a really genuinely good, good movie. Uh, and if you love DBZ in any capacity, you will you will love it. So go go see that in theaters. And before that, on the way there, go get your, yourself a copy of Super DBZ and play the shit out of that. Because, that's right. Oh my God. So, Mike, thank you for joining us. You got you gave me a chance to talk about Super DBZ for the first time in years to someone who wants to hear me talk about Super DBZ. So, yeah, I, I want more people to know about it. So I, I hope that this will this will spread around a little bit. Do you want to uh, I mean, obviously, I'll have the link to the site and stuff. Do you want to plug like the YouTube or anything? Or uh... Sure. So www.kanzenshu.com. That's Kanzenshu. If you can't remember how to spell that, you can search for things like dbz podcast best dbz website <laughs> old men running dbz websites <laughs> it'll bring uh, up the site Christ almighty i go to that i'll, I'll have a, a link to uh, in, in in the video itself i'll have an annotation that goes to his youtube channel where you can listen to the consensu podcast they do them quite often and talk about literally everything that's ever happening with the franchise and they're yep. the, uh, the most reputable sources pretty much you're ever going to get as far as people on the internet goes so go check them out and uh, thank you for listening. If uh, if you have played Super DBZ already, or if you're interested in or have any other thoughts about DBZ games in general, please, in the comments, let me know your thoughts. Uh, if you buy the game, especially, uh, and when I'm going to go play it, and, and please tell me what your thoughts are on it, let me know in the comments. And if you have ideas for other future Curblot topics, you can leave a comment about that too, or you can be up on the usual Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, all that shit. That's going to do it. Mike, thank you again very much, and uh, we'll see you guys next time.